Well, yeah, I mean, I think what you said is really important because when I say the word retirement, we automatically have this preconceived notion or connotation that we have to be old to do that. Why not retire when we're younger? It's If you sit down, you do the math, it's possible. And the barrier between being the person who has to work their whole life and maybe never retire versus someone who can retire very young is literally just financial literacy. And this, I think, is just, just a really powerful message that I suppose is really important to share. Welcome to the Protrusive Dental Podcast, the forward-thinking podcast for dental professionals. Join us as we discuss hot topics in dentistry, clinical tips, continuing education, and adding value to your life and career with your host, Jazz Gulati. Hi guys, this is Jazz Galant here from the Protrusive Dental Podcast, helping you get more fulfillment from dentistry and increase your passion for dentistry. Today we're talking about money, right? It's a massive taboo topic. And what I've found is whenever you attend one of these sort of dentist type lectures on money and finances, it goes on and on about NHS pensions, which just bores the life out of me. So I'm hoping it's gonna be a little bit different. I've got someone called James Martin, who recently started a really cool Facebook group uh, called Dentist That Invest, and he'll go into uh, the full name of the group and all about it very shortly. But I wanted to get him on because he's someone with loads of raw opinions and so much energy. He is, I think he said it was a 2016 grad. Uh, so he's a young dentist who has got into investing and trading. And I thought, wow, what a great opportunity discuss uh, with you guys about investments, savings, saving for the future. And because personal finance is something that's poorly taught um, wherever you are in the, in the world and wherever profession you're in. I mean, I always talk about, I want to cover topics in this podcast that are poorly taught at dental school, but personal finances are, are just poorly taught or not taught, full stop. And what I mean by that is savings and investments, ISAs, compound interest and the power of it, uh, what to invest in, real estate, uh, stocks and shares, that sort of stuff, how to get started. So these are all the things that we're covering today. So the protrusive dental pearl I have for you is very relevant to that. And it's this, lifestyle creep. Lifestyle creep is when, imagine or remember when you were a student, if you're not a student already, uh, and you were living off beans on toast and you were going out once, twice a week, maybe, maybe more, uh, some, like some people, uh, and you'd have the, the cheap two-bottle pound of wine, uh, and you know what? You were so happy. You were loving it. You know, it'd be a cheeky Nando's now and again, and, and, and you were very content in life. Then when you qualify, you start making some money. You then start going to fancier restaurants, start taking fancier holidays, and then, you know, five, ten years later, uh, everything's creeping up. You're driving a nicer car which kind of makes sense, but this is exactly what lifestyle creep refers to, is that as your earnings increase, your lifestyle and the sort of expenditure in your lifestyle also increases, which is fair enough because we earn to, to live, right? We earn to make a good living and enjoy all the finer things in life. But actually, we should also remember that we need to save money. We need to invest money. We need to help it grow in a pot to help us in the future for, for what James Martin will discuss, discuss as being a defensive approach. And for me, it's about protection, security, and, and freedom in the future. So the more lifestyle creep you have, the less your savings rate, the less money you're saving every month, uh, and savings are so, so important. And the earlier you start investing, the better. So just be mindful of lifestyle creep. Be careful not to have that sort of uh, graph whereby as your earnings increasing, your expenditures increasing, 
completely proportionally because otherwise you're not really saving anything significant. That's my little uh, financial protrusive gender pearl for you. And just remember, guys, I am not a financial advisor. James is not a financial advisor. Uh, please take everything we're saying with a, you know, with a pinch of salt. We just want to help you guys with our experiences with money and investments. So I hope you guys enjoy this episode. Let's dive right in. Hey, James. Hello, Jazz Need. How are you today? I'm good, man. Call me Jazz, my friend. Jazz, Jazz is just fine. Uh, I didn't want to be presumptuous, Jazz Need. I thought we'd start off with Jazz Need and then I'd <laughs> So good, man. What's that behind you? Is that like a little arcade thing or? It is actually, yeah. Do you like your old school games, retro games? Well, you know, who, who, who doesn't? But I, yeah. I'm not massively into it, but I just, I just you know, you see that. And it's just like a blast from the past, isn't it? Yeah, it's awesome, this thing. Um, I got it from a trade fair. So it's, it's got like um, all sorts of retro games on it. It's got your Sega Mega Drive, your Nintendo, all that jazz. Yeah, it's quite cool. Do you want me to pull the camera? Are we recording right now? I don't know if we're recording yet or not. We're, we're recording. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> but, but, uh, but I just, it just starts recording. It's no big It's fine. Okay, yeah. We can edit this part out, baby. Okay. <laughs> Let me, we'll freestyle a little bit. If it's good, we'll keep it in the show. Let me show you. <laughs> No, I don't think. Can anybody at home see this? I don't know. We're we're on podcast, of course, aren't we? But yeah, that's right. But no, but uh, they'll be watching the video as well. Uh, I've got some oh, people who like to watch the video. Some people like to listen. So we got. So that is cool. So what? What for those listening right now? Uh, James is showing me this amazing, like uh, you know, arcade game type thing on steroids. <laughs> it's kind of like an old school games or a cabinet. It's pretty cool. Something Where's home for you? Where do you live? Where, where do you live, James? Leeds, Leeds, right. and, but you're not, you're not from Leeds, are you? You're, you're not from Leeds, are you? Uh, no, I'm not. You might have noticed the accent. It's from Northern Ireland. Okay. And, 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 but uh-huh. I've, I've been over here for so long, I think it's mellowed somewhat. I used to struggle at the start for people to understand me, and that doesn't seem to happen so much anymore. So I think things have improved. So this is this is my um, my English. This is my this is my this is uh, my PC. My uh, how can I say? Uh, my well-spoken, I speak, I, I speak well now. When I go back home, my granny says that I have an English accent. I, I talk like the queen. <laughs> Just everything is, everything is relative, isn't it? Accents are relative. James Martin, uh, welcome to the Petrusa Devil Podcast. How are you, my friend? I'm smashing. Thanks for asking, Chance. This is my very first podcast. I'm really looking forward to it. I think it's going to be brilliant. I'm excited. I'm, I'm surprised you come across uh, really well on camera. I've seen some of your YouTube content. Uh, and obviously, for those who, who haven't heard of you, the reason why I brought James on the podcast is that he started this really cool Facebook group recently. Uh, I imagine it's mostly UK dentists at the moment, but I don't see any reason why dentists all over the world will not be able to, to join uh, this group. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the thing is, I actually started it off. I, didn't, I literally didn't expect the first thing. I just thought, I'm quite into in- investing. Uh, and uh, trading and things like that. I know for a fact that there are other dentists out there who enjoy it. We've got a group for cake bakes dentists. I just thought surely there must be one that exists for investing. There's a group for baking. There's a group for air frying. There's literally... So dentists who own air fryers have their own group. Oh, wow. I'm going to get on that. Thanks for making me aware of that. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, in, I almost second-guessed myself because I just thought... Surely somewhere in the world has, you know, had this conceptualized this before me because it is such, it is quite a thing. And I think as well as that, maybe it came along at the right time uh, for us dentists, given the way COVID is at the minute. There was uncertainty. There is uncertainty. 
we don't know if there's going to be a lockdown too. Boris has publicly said that this could be possible. Now, whether or not he's fronting, that's another thing. You know what I mean? He might just be blagging. I don't honestly know. But at the very least, it's sensible to hedge your bets now. And regardless of timing, regardless of COVID, regardless of any of those things, I think that going forwards, uh, just what I've learned about investing, I'm, I'm surprised. I wish I would have done it sooner. I really wish I would have started thinking about it sooner. And what we'll get into later is the difference between in, investing, I suppose, and trading and why there's a bit of a, the names, of, they've been tarred a little bit, I think, and they've got a bit of an unfair reputation and people think there is, they're a lot more risky than they necessarily have to be. Obviously, there's always inherent risk, but like I say, we'll kind of, we'll delve into it a little bit later. But, we, yeah, we certainly will do. And th- those who haven't uh, sussed it out uh, already, the group is all about investing. So dentists that invest. But um, and what's the full name? Uh, what's the full title of the group so people can, can join? Dentists who invest, community group for dentists who enjoy trading. If anybody fancies it, and it's on Facebook, just to make that clear as well. And yeah, it, as I say, it's for anybody who has an interest in investing already or wants to get into it, just as a means of diversifying themselves, learning more, protecting themselves from the, the way forwards. And I honestly think that it's a defensive thing to do, to hedge your bets. And I suppose, yeah, just as a, to broaden your horizons, broaden your common interests. And uh, the, the long-term goal, I suppose, for me is to give myself a nice, healthy pension pot so that I can relax when I'm older. And money is very much, it's not the be-all and end-all, but it is a means to an end, effectively. And that end is to have a happy life you live life on your own terms and you can do whatever you want because you're not hindered. That, that's a, a really nice summary you gave there. But there's two observations I've made about this group already. So obviously the title is Dentists That Enjoy Investing, but you've obviously mm-hmm. clarified that actually it's for those who, who may be uh, new to it as well. And you know the new newbies yeah. are welcome if you know nothing about investing because you've seen already, James, the number of posts where you're getting on the group at the moment saying, hey, um, the, the name really caught my eye, but I have zero idea. I have no idea what I'm doing, but I'm yeah. really excited to learn. But then also there's some posts on there already. And I'm like, whoa, I don't understand what any of because I'm not a trader. I'm, more just a, I'm just a set yeah. and forget type of investor. We'll, we'll come into that a bit later. I'm very excited yeah. for this chat. Yeah. But, but you, you got it all. So I just want to just dive right in. But before I guess you get into the meat and potatoes of um, you know, those types of questions, that like when should you start investing, blah, blah. I just want to find out um, when did you qualify? Uh, and uh, you obviously work in Leeds with Sasta Albert. When did you qualify? And, and, and then eventually, how far after qualifying did you get into trading? Or is this something, dare I say, that you were doing as a student? Um, short answer is no. I didn't start trading when I was a student. Uh, I started trading in 2018, but I'll come to that in two seconds. So first of all, yeah, as you said, I, I qualified from Leeds University in 2016. I still do reside in Leeds I made it, I originally came from Northern Ireland uh, for, to go to university in Leeds, 2011. Stayed in Leeds, obviously, the whole duration of my course, 2016. I made it as far as Sheffield for a year, and then I came straight back to Leeds. I did my <laughs> FD year in Sheffield. I just really like Leeds. I have a lot of friends here. Um, at the minute, I am not working because I've recently had surgery on my knee, you see? Oh, right. So I'm likely going to, yeah, unfortunately. So ACL surgery. So if anybody has had, has torn their ACL, they'll know what I've been Ouch. through. It's no fun whatsoever. Rugby or yeah. what were you doing? Football, really bad football tackle. Yeah, but it's quite... Skiing, I think, is another one that's quite commonly people get it in. But uh, yeah, really bad tackle in football. It was about a year ago. I've only recently... COVID somewhat delayed the schedule for the surgery. And I've only recently got around to having it. So 
it's good. It's on the mend. It still aches if I stand up too much. And I don't do myself any favors as a dentist because I, I talk, I'm animated. I, I kind of spend more time out of my chair than in it because I'm moving around the room. <laughs> Maybe that's something I need to work on, definitely. Uh, but as I say, <laughs> at the minute, I'm just I'm recovering from that. It still aches and throbs, you see, if I stand on it for too long. So I suppose, in a way, this was the the the, the kind of initiated or kind of encouraged this genesis of this group because I have all this free time. I've been spending some of my time as I, as, as I generally tend to do. And as I have been a lot over lockdown and for the last three years, since I got into it, uh, investing and just reading around and learning more about it. And that's kind of inspired the group, I suppose. And it's why I've been able maybe to grow uh, the group to the level the way it is, because I've had so much time off. I've been able to interact with the group members, give them value and just mm. perpetuate. There's, there's the a lot thing. of engagement on that group. And, uh, you know, the yeah, group is it. more than just investing. Uh, I, I think from, you know, as you know, you, you created it, yeah. but as, as someone who's observing, I think it's more than investing. It's all about, money management like like you said is money is such a huge topic it's a taboo topic which makes it yes. which makes me even more excited to have this chat today with you because it's a topic that we should talk about more uh and i don't want to come across as oh yeah dentists are greedy type thing but listen we're all gonna have savings we're all gonna have pensions we need to sort of uh, be able to to have an, an idea of what you want your money to work for you and that's exactly what we're talking about today yeah, definitely. I think you're on the right lines with it being a taboo thing. And there was once upon a time, a younger self, where I thought to myself, I almost had this inherent distrust of anyone who was wanted to advise me on their money because I just thought that their interests were not necessarily aligned with mine. But the more and more I've read and the more I've learned about money management, I realized that, believe it or not, by leaving your money in the bank, there are inherent risks to doing that, which you can avoid and protect yourself. We talk about, with, uh, investing has this connotation of something aggressive, where we go out, we're kind of making these investments, we're trading, we're watching charts, stuff like this. There's a lot of risk to it. There's a chance that we might win, but there's also a good chance that we might lose. But my message is, I suppose, that it's actually a defensive thing, because by leaving your money in the bank, you actually lose quite a lot of it through inflation, and the inflation figures that the government report are actually quite a bit lower than what they are in reality. Because of that, if we surely leave our money in a bank and we, uh, we kind of have all our assets in cash, then at that stage, we're putting ourselves at risk because we're very much at the whims of what inflation is doing at any one stage. And there are certain ways that you can actually hijack inflation and make it work for you and your investments and grow your money and protect yourself. That's the main message. Um, but Jane, before we continue, we must do uh, our due diligence, uh, which is this, okay? It's like a disclaimer. I don't like to have disclaimers on my show, but me and you are not financial advisors, okay? Any yeah, decisions you make <laughs> based on this episode, <laughs> okay, I'm totally down to you. We have nothing to do with this. We're just two guys that have philosophies on money and investing and stuff. And I'm sure you're a trader, I'm an investor. We probably have uh, different philosophies and we can totally disagree with, it, we disagree with each other today and that's totally cool. But I do think that we have probably a lot of similarities as well. But firstly, um, seek financial advice properly if you need to. This is not going to give you, um, you know, we're not qualified to talk about money. We just Absolutely. like talking about it. Okay. So that's just bear that in mind. But just on that point of inflation, really great point to, to, uh, to great, great way to start the episode. Inflation, money sitting in the bank account is, is, is a bad idea. Can you just make that tangible for us? Yeah, sure. Maybe I'll just flesh that out a little bit so it's a little clearer. So let's say we have a thousand pounds in our bank account. 
Inflation is the rate at which your money depreciates in value every year. Okay? So when you have a thousand pounds in your bank account, after a year, if inflation rate is 10%, then that means that your thousand pounds is still a thousand pounds, but it only has the value of 900 pounds. So you can buy the previous year you could have bought a thousand chocolate bars. Next year you can only buy 900 chocolate bars, something like that. You know what I mean? And really, uh, the, I think the real call to action that I learned that made me, that gave me the drive, I suppose, to start looking into how I might protect myself against inflation is how much it's underreported by the government and how they mess with the figures. I don't want, I can get into the technicals later if anybody's interested, but I, I, let's just suffice to say, typically it is, I didn't use that 10% mark. I didn't just pluck it out of the air. It actually is generally around that mark. And wow. See, James, I didn't, I didn't know that because, you know, to me, oh, I, I, amazing. I, you can yeah. you consume the mainstream media and the mainstream media will tell you it's more than 3%. Am I, am I right? Yeah. Or at the minute, it's actually purported to be around 1% or 2%, but they might be slightly more accurate at the minute because there is not very much demand from, broadly speaking, from most economies, from most goods because of what the, the coronavirus effect it has in the world. But anyway, that's another story for another day. So anyway, they'll broadly purport it to be something along the lines of what you've just said, Jazz. So maybe one, two, three percent. Whereas in actual fact, in reality, uh, it's more about the ten percent mark. If you don't believe me, I'll give you a short thing you can look at online if anybody's interested. It's called the Burrito Index. Feel free to look it up. And what Jazz and yeah, it's good. It's actually a measurement of how much burrito you get every year. It's an American thing. So it brings because there's down. also the, the there's other indices as well, right? About how much something is worth. And, uh, uh, but that might be different. For example, that's completely different to the the Big Mac index. The Big Mac index is how much a Big Mac costs in, in different countries, right? That's that's completely different. That's not the same. Oh as, yeah, like, I think that's just a comparison between what your money's worth in different countries. As far as yeah. I'm aware, uh, from mm. what I've read of it. Uh, but the burrito index is something slightly different. It's just a comparison of how much money, how much bang for your buck you get in terms of burritos every year in America. Uh, that is obviously quite a trivial. It's just one example, I suppose. But it's just a nice way of explaining it that I've come across. No, but no, your, like yours it, is good, James. Yours, yours is good. Yeah. And we can definitely put that link. Uh, so please do send me that link so I can put that in the show notes. But essentially, sure. the, the reason why inflation is a good starting point to discuss this conversation is because that in itself is a good reason to start exploring where yes. else we can keep our money not in a bank account because of the reasons that you said. And also, um, maybe you're going to mention this and correct me if I'm wrong, because I do feel as though you're, you're ahead of me a few levels in terms of your, your, your knowledge with all this. So I think um, once you get to over £80,000 in a bank account, you're no longer protected, right? You don't get the FCPS protection. I, I have to admit, I haven't heard that, but okay, yeah. I mean, I actually thought it was around the 50,000 mark, but anyway, it doesn't matter. There's, there's, there's a certain level, say, basically. There is, um, yeah. there is a not unrealistic amount of money that you can store in your bank account when you, and at which point you begin to lose protection, and at which point, you're quite right, Jazz, it's a healthy thing to do to begin investing, how you might diversify what you own to protect yourself, just like what we said earlier. So how, that's, that's perfect. So how did you get started? I'll, I'll share my journey in a moment. But how did you get started? So you, you, you knew about the inflation and you thought, okay, uh, I need to uh, start saving my money, putting my money elsewhere. Uh, and oh, then you obviously, we, yeah. we all have these visions of uh, investors like Wolf of Wall Street going crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So how did you get well, started? I'm going to actually turn that on its head. And before I knew about inflation, I began to invest. This is how ill-informed I was. And I just 
I don't want anybody to make the same mistakes as me, effectively. And I suppose that was part of the inspiration for starting the group. But we'll start from the start. My very first journey, my very first uh, step into uh, investing was I'd heard of Bitcoin. All right. Now, I'm sure lots of people who are watching have heard of Bitcoin. Back in 2017, there was the Bitcoin balloon that, you know, it, it basically went into a bubble, didn't it? And it was Bitcoin went to $20,000 in value. So I was walking like lots of people. I saw that Bitcoin was going through the roof in value. And I thought, wow, how can I get a piece of the action? You know what I mean? This was a younger, more juvenile, a, a more naive me, I suppose. But I'm excited well, to I, hear where on the graph, where on the graph you bought. <laughs> <laughs> if anybody can see down this. Here. hopefully down here <laughs> <laughs> it kind of went like this and then i went in here and then obviously it went to here so it didn't end well let's just say that but never mind for anybody who's watching the video you'll be able to see what i mean but i'll just explain uh so yes i knew about i didn't really know much about finance i knew bitcoin was going up a lot in value i thought to myself how can i get a piece of the action but from the little that i did know about finance i knew that it was in a bubble Okay, so bubbles pop, all right? Of course, financial bubbles pop eventually. Uh, so the price was grossly inflated. I knew that it was hysteria, all right? And it was carried away, it was, it was unsustainable. And I thought to myself, if I can just wait to the point where it hits its zenith, it goes back down quite a mark, that's when I'll get in. And in my mind, it was very simple. And I thought I was the wolf of Wall Street, legit. I thought this was my plan. <laughs> I thought I'm gonna be rich, this is fine, all right? Um, do, you, do you remember during that time it was like a road to Lamborghini it was like when Lambo that was like the hashtag <laughs> <laughs> yes yes I think it just it all went to my head a little bit I got a bit too carried away but I should have I just wish I would have known what I was doing and I think that maybe something like what I've created the group could be helpful to a lot of people for this reason but anyway we digress uh, what was I saying so yes anyway realistically when a bubble pops when a bubble markets go in cycles. So it's like a bell curve. All right. So you'll hit the top. There'll be a bubble. It'll pop. We'll go back down to the bottom, hover around along the, the bottom for a while. And then eventually it'll start ascending again. Okay. So the trouble was I had no real concept of how long it takes before a bubble pops. So I just thought, yeah, a few weeks, few months, we'll be good. I'll make my entry. I'll be rich. It'll be fine. From what I know now, when a bubble, the only way a bubble can start again is when all the people who have bought at the top sell and get bored, and then there's no downward pressure on the market and it can go up again. And how long this takes, that's just human psychology, but I had no concept of this at the time. So I bought my first cryptocurrency um, in February 2018. Thank for, uh, I bought Ripple, so I bought XRP. Has anybody heard of Maybe you've heard of it? I'm not sure. Uh, I, yeah, I've yeah. Ripple. I, I actually bought IOTA. At that time, oh, that's the same time. Actually, that looks like it's going to go. I, it's, I'm not sure when you got in, but IOTA is what I'm watching at the minute. So you might <laughs> I, want to hold on. I, I to got that. it when like Bitcoin was like at its peak. It was a bad move, but it wasn't a substantial. It, my patient, <laughs> my patient was like, my patient was telling me how much money he's making through crypto, basically, uh, yeah. and he was he he gave me a tip off that you know, check out IOTA. And I got it, and then the next day it went up by like twenty five percent. I was like, "Oh my god, I made twenty five percent in one day! This is amazing! I'm gonna get my Lamborghini." And then, <laughs> and then obviously, yeah. we, <laughs> we yeah. all did. We all did around about that time. Are you enjoying the Protrusive Dental Podcast? Well, allow me to deliver you even more value. You can now download the iOS or Play Store app 
for free. Just search Protrusive on your app platform. Now, if you're a true Protrusive and you want to support the podcast, you want to claim CPD for all the listening and watching that you do, you want to get access to exclusive clinical walkthrough videos to make dentistry tangible, as well as a premium newsletter, access to the Protrusive Vault, and the ability to download all the clinical videos and podcast videos so you can view them offline later, you can get all of that for less than 15 tax-deductible dollars per month. So what are you waiting for? Download the Protrusive app now on iOS or Android for absolutely nothing. We've worked so hard on this, the Protrusive team, and I know you're just going to love it. Now back to the main episode. But anyway, yeah, so I got in. I got in at the wrong time. I still have that ripple, but it's went down a lot in value. And that was the impetus that made me think to myself, what can I, what separates me from the guys who are making money versus someone like myself who completely wholeheartedly admits I didn't really know what I was doing and I didn't, I shouldn't have bought in around about then. But in a way, it was a good experience for me because it encouraged me to learn and begin to read about investing. So ever since then, I've had a broad interest in it. Um, and from then, yeah, I've just kind of been plugging away as a dentist, reading a little bit about investing, investing here and there. Over lockdown, that was my, when I, I started to get back into James, it can, again. can I pause you to ask exactly, what are you investing in now? So, so is that oh. too soon? Do you want to come and tell later? So, so you said now you're, you know, you're investing, uh, you know, working dentists, sure. you're investing some of your savings and whatnot. What, what, what are you investing sure. in? Because, Yeah, fair enough. Good question. So I'll just draw the distinction between investing and trading for anybody who's watching right now, just so they can understand a little bit about where I'm coming from. So I invest in stocks, in index funds, and I trade cryptocurrency. So investing is very much when you seek to put your money, place your money in investment, so buy something, and then you'll accept that it's going to go up and down in the short term but you look to the very long term to make your profits. So you might say, I'll buy an index fund. So an index fund is just a collection of shares, just to put it in the simple terms. And then in the long run, as history has told us, for lots of these index funds, big ones like the S&P 500, eventually, when we come to many years down the line, because they inherently go up in value, then eventually those will likely generate us returns that we can use as a pension, or that we can just use willy-nilly, whatever we fancy. It'll generate us profit, essentially. So one thing I'll just touch on, just to give you an example of that, the S&P 500, it's a collection of shares from America, 500 large companies. They're in one fund. You can buy straight into the fund, so you don't have to buy each one of these exactly or specifically. Since it began, 1957, on average, it's went up 10% every year. Okay, so that's on average, up years and down years. I'm not saying... Everybody should rush out and do that. I'm just saying this is one example. And this is a way that you can grow your money, I suppose, without being actively involved in the day-to-day nitty-gritty mm-hmm. by perhaps just ex- just buying in a little bit every month. Now, I'm just giving you one example. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying... Can I, can, I, can I add to that, James, if that's okay? Yep. So, so yep. You, you made a great point that, let's say, on average, it's been uh, 10%. But one thing I didn't appreciate early on is that what that actually means is that one year, it might go down 4%. And next, yeah. next year, it might go up 25%. Then the next yeah. year, it might go down 18%. And then it might go up 50%. You know, it, 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 but it averages out a, a, yeah. as, a, as a 10%. And that's where that number comes from. Uh, and that's very important to appreciate because uh, one thing you have to accept is that when you're investing in, in index funds, which is S&P 500, it could, could be an example of, for example, or, or, or an index like that, that you will have ups and downs. But if your time horizon is long enough, like if you think that, okay, this is my pension, and in 25 mm. years' time, you're going to draw out, then 
historically, it shows that you should be fine, right? Yes. But if, you, if your plan is like, okay, I want to save up for a house and you want to buy a house in three years' time, maybe it's, there are other investments which might be better. Yeah, very good point, Jazz. So yeah, we're looking to the very absolute long term here. And historically, unless all the historical data that we have wrong on this one particular particular index fund uh, is incorrect, then that is very much likely, not for definite, but very, very, very likely to generate you profits in the long run. And indeed, many people who manage pensions, this is just simply what they do. So very good book, Ivy League Portfolio. It's hot I read on this sort of investing, how Harvard generate much of how a Harvard user bursary to generate more money. And this is how they invest it. They literally do this. Okay. So this wow. is just one example of a pension management fund. Um, so anyway, we've talked upon, uh, we've talked about investing. Uh, and then, as I say, I just wanted to, to uh, you know, just annotate the, the, the distinction between that and trading. So trading is then uh, again, if we're going to subdivide trading, there's different uh, types of traders. So that would correspond to how frequently you trade and stuff like that. But trading, trading is someone who just seeks to maximize the profits in the short term. They're actively, they're very much taking an active role in doing it. So maybe they're looking at the charts every once in a while, every day, every few weeks, every few days, uh, something like that. And they're using their money. They're buying and selling as opposed to just simply buying, which is what investing is. Buying and selling and taking an active role in their money generation. It takes a little bit more skill to do that. Today, I think if, if it's, am I right in saying, Charles, we're just going to focus, we make, um, what I'm trying to do is make this accessible to everybody. So I'm going to put the trading to one side for a little bit and maybe just talk a little bit about investing. I think, I think James, let's do that do. because I think uh, yeah. the dentists, we're a risk averse bunch. Uh, and I yeah. think if, you know, a lot of dentists, as you saw in the group already, like, uh, hi guys, I've been meaning to look into investing. Um, yeah. uh, I, don't, I don't know what to do with our money. So we have an issue where dentists have some money, maybe some bank accounts, maybe in NSNI accounts, bonds, whatever, uh, and they want to put it to better use. So uh, maybe um, sometimes when you start looking into investing, you start learning more, you may then also uh, go into trading and whatnot. Yes. But I think if you think follow uh, investing as a, so you can grasp the concepts and, and actually get a, a feel for where your money is going. That's totally, that's absolutely bang on. And actually, if, if I was to know what I know now and go back, I wish I would have done some investing first because the trading was a little bit out of my depth. Absolutely. Investing is a brilliant way to start. And it's very easy to do. There are people who have investment portfolios that they literally spend an hour on every year and they look to make by, uh, you know, buying index funds and what have you just that we touched upon before. And they, they buy and hold. And in the very long run, they look to take some money as a means to protect themselves against inflation, which we spoke about earlier. That is perfect. That is brilliant. Well, the next thing I wanted to, to do uh, is uh, we've talked about the difference. You've you said very nicely between a trader and an investor. And now we decided mm -hmm. we're going to go down the uh, investment track. You talked yeah. about your journey, how actually it was uh, the crypto boom and how you bought Ripple <laughs> and how that, that lured you in. Mine was complete accident. Like, I listened to loads of audiobooks. Uh, and one day I was um, looking, I had one of my Audible credits and I was looking through which one to get. Uh, and I clicked on a photo of Tony Robbins uh, and it was a book, um, Unshakable, I believe. Yeah, was, yeah, was yeah. It it was, I think it was Unshakable. And I thought it'd be like uh, how to make you unshakable, you know, mentally speaking and, you know, <laughs> uh, how to, how to you know, self-help type of thing. But actually yeah. I was listening to his book and it was all about index funds. And I was like, what the hell is this? I've never heard of this stuff before. And it actually, wow, it, it resonated with me so much. And, and I urge everyone, don't go from this episode, actually 
read some books. And there's loads we can recommend. There's that one. I also went on to read uh, something called The Simple Path to Wealth by J.L. Collins. Uh, there's loads of blogs out there you can read. Um, there's also a blog uh, by someone called Get Rich Slowly, GRS. Uh, I don't know if you've seen that one before. Uh, any reading material that you would recommend? The, one be the best book that I ever read on investing and yeah, you're, you're actually quite, just to go back to what you were saying very briefly, Tony Robbins, I've only really ever heard of him as a self-help coach or a lifestyle guy, but you're actually the second person to come to me and say that he started your journey into investing. So that's interesting that I've learned something today. Um, the best book that I ever read on investing is a book called How to Own the World by Andrew Craig. I don't, have you heard of it? No, I haven't. No. So essentially, it just fleshes out everything that we've just been talking about in a lot more detail. And it was the book that inspired me most to begin. It makes some very compelling points about how much money you lose by not being flat, uh, not being kind of uh, clever with it, I suppose. And the well, it's, about being, it's about being proactive. It's not, you know, if you yeah. just be reactive and let the nature and the Bank of England or whatever you are, whichever country and the natural interest rates look after you and inflation and whatnot, you're just surrendering yourself to yeah, <clears> someone else's, opinion, uh, yeah. the, the mastermind plans of the politicians. Whereas if you actually take some ownership uh, and you can actually decide to make a plan for, dare I say, I don't want to say, I don't, okay, I was going to say financial freedom, but really that's a whole different topic. It, it, it's about making sure, like you said, you're protected that when you come yeah. to retirement, you have a good nest egg to rely on. Uh, and I think the next point naturally we can lead to from here is, I'm a private practitioner. Mm -hmm. I don't have an NHS pension. And that was also a massive reason why I started to look into um, uh, investing because, hey, I, I, I don't have an NHS pension. I need to have some sort of pension. So I started to take it into my own hands and I read everything I could. I listened to everything I could to, to arm myself with knowledge so I can make these decisions. And, and that was a really big, important factor in me. So um, maybe we'll have to discuss one day how it matters if you do have an NHS pension because actually NHS pensions are fantastic. And, and, and they may actually look after you quite well, depending on your income level. Yeah. Do you have an opinion on that? Uh, NHS pension versus investing? I mean, you, you can definitely do them both, and I think you should if you have that option. Uh, but um, have you ever, ever considered the sort of compar comparing them? The NHS, what I will say is, broadly speaking, it's more lucrative to do it yourself versus having someone who is a pension manager. Now, as to the specifics of the NHS pension, there are certain pensions that your employer will match your contribution. Now, the NHS pension, I don't believe is that for dentists. Not, do you know more on that yourself? I'm not sure. I, I, I'm not sure. So since I left it, I, I just don't think about it anymore. Uh, and and yeah. I just uh, crack on with my investments. Yeah. Yeah, I have to be honest. I don't know about specifically the NHS pension for dentists. But what I will say is, if your employer is willing to match your contribution for your pension, then those are very good pensions because they double your money. All right. Those are a special case. But broadly speaking, I'm very much in the mode of uh, the sort of school of thought that doing it yourself has many advantages over hiring someone else to do it. So I can go into a little so, bit yeah, about so that. Yeah, let's, let's, let's touch on that. So we discussed about NHS and maybe we don't know enough about that to really give a, yeah. a, advice on NHS pension. Yeah. But, but I think you made a good point that potentially um, it could be more lucrative. But really what, what we can really definitely agree on and you know, is doing it yourself, i.e. logging into one of the websites where you actually deposit your money into it and watching your investments grow behind the scenes versus handing your money over 
to a, a group of a people, third party. a third party who then invest that money for you. Yeah. That's not always a great idea because of. Yes. So what I'll do is I'll draw the comparison between DIYing it, doing it yourself and a financial advisor or something like that, because that's quite, Perfect. that's a straightforward one. Um, so we'll talk a little bit about the pros of having an advanced financial advisor. So I'm not going to sit here and say by all means that all financial advisors are bad. Uh, you know, I'm certainly not, I don't want to come across in that way, but there are a few inherent and distinct advantages to doing it yourself. So what I'll do is I'll talk about the financial advisors. First of all, I suppose the advantages to them, I think first and foremost, what a lot of people like, they like somebody to just completely out. They just want somebody to completely outsource it to. They just want somebody to take it off their mind so that they don't have to give it a second thought, I suppose, and they can entrust it in their hands. And quite often these guys, what they do is they often they offer a guaranteed return every year. Now, the guaranteed return might be quite modest. Some of them do this. But nonetheless, it's a guaranteed return. It's out of your hands. It's completely... You don't have to worry about it from that point onwards, at least according to them. So I suppose that's the first advantage. I think for me as well as that, um, what they tend to do as well and what's quite nice and what I hear a lot of is when things go to, when the markets go down in value, when we had, let's use coronavirus as an example, when everything crashed, they offer a shoulder to cry on. They're reassurance. They're <laughs> someone with expertise. You can talk to them and they can say, listen, I don't think you should do this. They're an advisor. That's what they do. So they're useful in that respect, I suppose. And as well as that, I'm not going to say, I'm going to talk a little bit about the disadvantages in two minutes. There are some very, very, very adept and good financial advisors who are worth their money. It's about shopping around. When, you, when we come to talk about in a minute about their disadvantages, you'll see why they have the cards stacked against them. They really, really do. Because what they have to do is they have to generate prop, uh, profit for them and profit for their business first. And once they've had their way with your money, there's less left over. Are you with me? Yeah. Hopefully that makes sense. hundred percent. I'm just saying for those who can't, you know, those who are listening, I'm nodding throughout everything James saying, because this is exactly my views on uh, using a financial advisor to manage your money. Cause I very much do it myself, but this is because I've armed myself with knowledge over time. I've read these books and essentially I think mean, number one disadvantage, which you're going to come to is the fees, which may not seem very high, 100%. but, but they, they really, you know, the dip, maybe you have some stats, maybe you've been really good and got some stats for us. But I do. I do actually. So yeah, anyway, the inherent advantages that you have to manage in your money versus a, a, um, a financial advisor. So if we were to say, let's say you start out, and you have their interest might not necessarily be aligned with yours, all right? So their interest, they might be the nicest guy in the whole world, but their interests are to generate themselves profit, feed their families, which is fine, and to generate profit for their company, okay? So because of that, they may be biased towards certain products which generate them better commission than they would do otherwise, which you may or may not think or advisable if you have armed yourself with knowledge. So that's one thing. That's definitely one of the biggest things. Uh, this, is, this doesn't go for all of them, you know what I mean, but certainly it's something that you want to be wary of as well. As well as that, uh, they may or may not have knowledge of only one area of finance. How many people, let's be honest, actually read around their subject? I mean, I'd be surprised if it's maybe 5 to 10% of people. If you can spend some time just going out of your way to learning about these things, then I'm honestly in the camp where I wholeheartedly think that you can already know a, a great deal about it and be able to know enough to do it yourself based on 
prior knowledge. As well as that, you've, talked, you've just mentioned the fees. Jazz, I think for me, that's the biggest thing. So you may or may not have heard of interest. Interest is how much money you the cost of borrowing money or the cost of lending money effectively. So let's say, for example, we have a thousand pounds, we've got a 2% interest rate. And after a year, if we have 2% interest, which is calculated on a yearly basis, then you'll have a thousand and twenty pounds. Make sense? Okay. So let's say the financial advisor's fees are 1%. So what that, that mightn't sound like much, but at the end of the year, you'll have a thousand and ten. And then subsequently, because you generate interest on your interest, via something called compound interest, it actually has a massive effect over a long period of time. So I've drawn up some figures just to give you an idea. So if you invest, now let's say you're very wealthy, you put £20,000 into your stocks and shares ISA, and we'll explain what that is in just a minute, but effectively it's just a bank account that you can invest in. If you put £20,000 in your stocks and shares ISA, after 20 years, at 10% interest, you'll have £1.3 Now, that's pie in the sky for a lot of us. That's crazy. Let's just just reflect on that. Just just, just pause there, okay? So what you just (laughs) said there is that if you have 20 grand, okay, and and are you suggesting um, an annual investment of 20,000 pounds? Yeah, sorry. So 20 grand, you put in 20,000 pounds every year and you generate 10% interest on that money. Now, 10% is quite a good return on your investment, but we're just using it is, these it is, but, uh, Like I said, I want to really go down to the basic building blocks, really uh, oh. uh, really go very basic here. So, so t- let's talk about, okay, you said 20 years, right? 20 years. 20 years, yeah. So 20,000 pounds, if you put 20,000 pounds every year for 20 years in a bank account, that would make 400,000 because you're just adding up 20,000 pounds per year. Correct. What the, what the 10% of compound interest ends up to be is an addition of 900,000 pounds. Yep, yep, lots of money. Yeah, it makes a huge difference. All right. Einstein said the eighth wonder of the world is compound interest. It's a, you know, the power of it over a long period of time is incredible. And this is what you can hijack using your investments. But anyway, just for comparison purposes, we've heard about 10% over 20 years. If you have 12%, same money, same number of time, you get 1.7 million. So there's a difference of 400,000 there. So if your financial advisor is charging you even just 2%, that's the power, that's the difference that it makes over that period of time. And that's a huge whack of money. You know, that can go some way towards a second home in Malibu. I don't know, whatever you're into, whatever you plan on, whatever you plan on putting your investment, your, your financial pot into in the long run. It's, it's, it's absolutely it. massive. That, that is it. So that's the reason I don't use a, a financial advisor. I, I do it myself after, uh, like yeah. I said, uh, reading up uh, is to stay away from the fees, which really add up over time. Uh, James, have you heard of the rule of 72? I haven't. What's that? So the rule of 72 is um, whatever your interest rate is, okay, you do 72 divided by your interest rate. And that's how many years it will take to double your money with compound interest. So if you've got a 10% uh, interest rate, your money will double every 7.2 years. Mm-hmm. Okay. Wow. Interesting. That's good. Yeah. Well, then that's a, just another, that absolutely, yeah, brilliantly, it adds on what I've said, because you can see these one to 2% really do add up, especially if you're an investor and you're thinking about taking your profits in the long run. It's massive. And this is where we've talked about other things. This is the main advantage. And this is really where you stand again. 100%. So we talked about uh, doing it yourself versus uh, um, a manager. 
Is, are we okay to move to the next one? I know you probably got loads more points, but I want to cover as much. I'd rather cover more uh, breadth and like get a broad uh, yeah. area rather no, than go too deep into one fair. thing. It'll be a I good taste that, episode. So no, I'm no, it's great. We love it. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're, we're absolutely loving this right now. Um, so then uh, the next question actually to ask is, what is the best investment in your opinion? So is it stocks and shares? Is it real estate? You, you saw that poll I put up the other day, right? On, on, on no, I group. didn't. I missed that. What was that? So I put a poll. Oh, no, group. I did see that on the group. Yeah, I did see that. So I was the only person who voted for crypto on that poll, wasn't I? Yes, I noticed. <laughs> I noticed. Some, I someone voted for like uh, watches and handbags or something like that, basically. Yeah, so cars. You can get yeah, any type of business. <laughs> so go yeah, on, tell well, us. What are, of those on there, like stocks and shares, real estate, um, <laughs> uh, fine wines, cars, whatever, what's the, what's the best investment? Absolutely, cool. So investment versus trading. So if the best investment... Uh, I just want to say, small disclaimer, what's best for everybody, what's best for someone is not what's best for everybody. If we're looking at investing and if we're looking at drawing our profits in the long run, if you accept two things, the first thing is that the world economy keeps on growing, which it always does. It grows by about 2 or 3% every year. That means there's more people and there's more demand for products. All right. So that always goes up. Therefore, there will mean that in the long run, there'll be a scarcity of these products, okay? So if we accept that, and we also accept that inflation is real, we've already touched upon how inflation happens, the true rate of inflation and things like that. If you accept those two things, so what inflation means is that your money goes down in value with time. So therefore, your, your buying power of money is less. Then if you accept those two things, then the best investment or the thing that I think is definitely something that everybody should look into. I'm going to withdraw the word best there. I'm going to go back on myself slightly. The thing that I think that everybody should look into are think about some stocks and think about getting some gold. Those two things will become scarcer and scarcer as time goes on. Stocks, I'm talking about big companies. There can only be so many big companies in the world. As your money decreases in value, the value of those companies goes up in terms of dollars, in terms of pounds, in terms of anything. Gold, there's only so much gold that can be mined. There, there will, it will run out eventually. Eventually, we're going to have a drought. Because there's more people in the world and this keeps increasing with time, there's always going to be demand. Therefore, if you buy... I'm, when, I, when, I, when I try to buy something for the first time, I look for reasons not to buy it before I look for reasons to buy it. For gold, I'm still trying to find a reason not to buy it, okay? Because I just inherently My, my reason not to buy gold is that I missed that dip during corona. Oh, right, yeah. I think uh, trading gold, yeah, definitely. Whether or not trading gold, it's a good idea to buy it right now, that's a different question. In the long run, mm, I... Good point. I, honestly think is i can't see why it won't go up in value the only reason we can get more go the only way we can get more gold is if we somehow start plucking it out of space but that's a long time off you know what i mean but like i say what's best for me mightn't be best for everybody else and this is specifically for investing not trading all right let, let me go one step deep okay go on go on go on yeah, all I was going to say is to diversify, you want a little bit of both. And then also th think about putting your money in other things. A diversified set of assets is one that's the best protected. So uh, to make that tangible, di diversification uh, for you or someone may look like having a, a rental property, 
having uh, uh, some a decent uh, bit of money collected over years and you're using your ISA, which is tax-free. Now, USA yeah. have their own sort of uh, Roth IRAs or whatever they call them there, basically, yeah. which, which is their tax-protected, uh, which is so important because it, it, if you just make a standard stocks and shares sort of investment not protected by an ISA, like you could be paying through your nose through tax. Yeah, well, capital gains tax, well, I believe, is 12300 at the minute, I believe, last time I checked, last tax year. Would, would, it, uh, would, it, not go as, uh, your, would it not go through as your uh, income tax or would it actually go through capital gains? They only charge you income tax in very rare exceptions where you're somebody who's totally sustained from your investments. Are you with okay. me? But they'll yeah. only do that because they can generate more money from you. But capital mm. gains is... When you sell your stocks, when you sell your gold and the profit becomes realized, so it's crystallized and you actually have that money, so you've converted it back into cash or you've traded it for something else of equivalent value, in which case it means it's crystallized, then at that point you're liable for capital gains. And I believe the figure to be over 12,300 at which, in which, at which point you begin to pay tax on it. So if you invest in a stocks and shares ISA, there is no such thing as capital gains tax and you can put things up to 20 grand in every year. So that means if you can, you can generate as much money as you like and you don't pay tax. There's also a SIP as well, which is a self-invested personal pension. So these two things are unique to the UK. And I think that a lot of the world would be very jealous if they, they could get their hands on these investment vehicles because they're incredible really. So these are two things that I'd love to flesh out, but I, I think more of very much more of this on the group and things of this nature. We can talk. We can touch on SIP in a second, but I'm just going to finish my oh, okay. uh, 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 sort of uh, example. So someone could have a, a rental property. They could have money away in their uh, ISA, so it's tax free. Uh, they could be putting yeah. money away in a, in a SIP as well, uh, and maybe they've also been investing in gold, uh, and maybe they have some cash lying around because sometimes you know it's good. To have cash oh, always good to have some cash. Oh yeah, definitely, definitely. Uh, so yeah, that's just for to you, you need to have some at hand because not everything. Yeah, well anyway, we'll get into it. But yeah, it's good. Absolutely. To have some so 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 that could be an example of of one way that uh, someone could uh, that this could diversify. You, you know, you got your fingers in in a few pies, uh, not just all in uh, stocks and shares not just all in gold, yeah. but you're sort of spreading yeah, yeah. it out. You've got a bit of real estate in there as well. So um, there's a lot of police in Leeds. Oh, yeah. I think, um, yeah, I think it was an ambulance, actually. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, sorry about that. I'm right, I'm right next to a window, so you might have to just deal with some Oh, that's fine. Yeah, I think I'm next to a hospital, actually. Okay. Annoyingly, right. issue, but never mind. Not an issue at all. So uh, should we, should, do you want to explain to everyone what a SIP is? Because some people might be listening, uh, and they, don't, they might not know what a SIP is. Yeah, so it's a self-invested personal pension. So you basically put your money in, similar to a stocks and shares ISA. The catch is you can only withdraw it when you're 55. When you put your SIP, when you put money into a SIP, the government contribute towards it. They reduce your taxes. When you take your money out of a SIP, they do tax you. When you put your money in a stocks and shares ISA, you will be taxed beforehand, just as you normally would do on your paycheck. However, that money is tax-free when it comes out the other side. Another advantage is you can take money out of your stocks and shares ISO whenever you like. So it all depends on flexibility and everybody's So, So, so James, interest. so perhaps a good time for someone to consider a SIP would be when they've had, maybe had a particularly good year uh, at work mm. 
That's a right? good question. Yeah. Right? They've good. had maybe a good year at work and maybe now uh, they're looking at a really big tax bill. But now if they uh, invest uh, some of that money into a SIP, your tax bill will reduce. Yeah. And actually you've put money away that could also, because you your, your SIP could be in a stocks and shares sort of. Uh, pension. Yeah. So then now when you're 55, some years later, um, not, um, you, when you withdraw that money, yes, you'll pay tax when you withdraw it. But if you be clever about how much you withdraw, you can withdraw it at a lower tax rate. But also your pot will be bigger through the gains tr- from, st- uh, from stocks and shares. Have I interpreted SIPs correctly in terms of how I think they can work best for us? Yes. Okay. In, in a short answer is yes. Although I think that it gets a little bit funny if you earn over 150 grand. At that, you actually can put less into your SIP. But that's a story for another day. Okay. I think is I think is it's and very much it's not either or. You can have both. But these hmm. are these are the small print and technicalities. But broadly speaking, those are the pros and cons that I've just outlined. Perfect. When should you start investing? Point number four. When should you start investing? The sooner the better. The sooner the better is always the answer. Two reasons. First of all, you can take advantage of compound interest that we spoke about earlier. The sooner you do that, the more lucrative your gains are. As well as that, the more you can educate yourself and learn. The younger you are, the more time you have to do that. Very good. I yeah. like those two answers. The, 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 trouble, the trouble is, the trouble is, now I've, I've been there before. I had no interest in finance, in money, anything like that. You couldn't shake me to get me in. I just didn't care at all until I learned, I suppose, just how much we lose out and how much we're taking advantage of, I think, really, by keeping all our assets in one cash, in, in sorry, all our assets in cash. And these are the reasons that drew me to get into it. And I do appreciate from the outside in, it looks really boring. I took 100% totally get that. And I was in that boat for a long period in my life. But money to me is very much, just like what we said earlier, it's very much a means to an end. I just want a happy life where I have freedom. It's not about the money. It's about what it gets me. It's about security. Is, well, yes, there's lots of reasons. You know, It's happiness. It's security. It's not having to worry about it. And these are the reasons why I think everybody should at least think about it. That, that's amazing. A great summary there. Uh, have you got a little bit more time to just explore a few more philosophical things? Of course, mate. We've got all the time in the world. Fantastic. Well, one thing, one uh, barrier that I've had to face with investing, and I'm sure uh, some people listening may also have this, is that mm-hmm. uh, I'm, I'm married. My wife is also a dentist. She's a community dentist. Uh, mm-hmm. But her philosophy on investing is polar opposite of mine. Right. Yeah. No matter how much I say, Sim, read this, read that. She's just not interested. Okay. So my wife likes to um, open up her bank account and and, and see that all the cash that she's saving is there and no one can take away from her and whatever and and is there. And uh, she's Mm -hmm. very risk averse. So when I even mentioned that, you know, what I'm doing with some of the money that we save together, because ultimately what's mine is hers, what's hers is mine. But we sort of, we thought, we've almost automatically diversified because she's very much in one camp and I'm in the camp that, okay, we yeah. have to invest. But mm. I think it's really good that if you start investing, you need to have, an, you know, if you have a, a significant other in your life to have that conversation about uh, what your, um, um, so are you risk averse, what your risk level is, volatility, the fact that over time, you're going to be facing years like 2020 where your investments go, but then you know that actually if you, if you, 
if you keep investing, you sort of average it out all out, and then eventually it will go up again. So these are sort of things that you need to have uh, discussed with your family or your significant other, and 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 the sort of investing hats that you put on. So that's one barrier I faced was was my wife. You know, I'd like to be able to, to, be able to put more money into uh, yeah. stocks and shares, but I feel as though my wife gets uncomfortable about that. Yeah, I, I can see why someone might have that perception. And I certainly sat in that camp for a long time. And for me, it was very much a mindset thing. And when I learned about, just as we just touched upon, when I learned about how much you actually, I don't want to, how can I say this? You, you lose out or you, act, you lose money just by leaving it in the bank. This was the thing that flipped it on its head by me. And then I actually thought to myself, well, actually, it's actually almost less risky in a kind of roundabout way to think about doing, you know, to think about invest, to diversify and think about investing some of your money. So it was, it just turned it on its head for me, effectively. But I think that it has this connotation. You're right that it is risky amongst a lot of people. And there is risk. There's always going to be risk, but there's risk to leaving your money in the bank as well. It's about risk management doing the least risky thing. Absolutely. So I'd encourage anyone out there, uh, before you start just, you know, uh, obviously engaging in this fantastic Facebook group and learning and stuff, but it's really important to discuss with your uh, husband or your wife, your partner and, and family and actually make oh, a, yeah. a financial plan together for the future. Like what, what is it that you want at age 50, age 55, age 60? Uh, and actually, what are you saving towards? Uh, what are you investing towards? What about property? What about this? So it's important to, to sort of take a, a long-term view on this. Definitely. Always worth thinking about 100%. As I say, yeah, always best to have a long-term plan. And that was what you've just talked, talked about there. Jazz was very much one of the reasons why I got into it as well. In the long have run, I want heard? to be happy. We all want to have a happy retirement, don't we? And, and, yeah, and on that uh, note of retirement, have you heard of um, the FIRE principle or the FIRE group of people? F-I-R-E. Have you heard of these uh, group of, uh, or this philosophy of life? No, I'd love to hear that. What's that? Okay, so something I've subscribed to for the last two, uh, two years, and I'm actually making myself quite vulnerable talking about this uh, on the show, I guess, but um, it's not something... So I am firing at the moment. I'm going to come on to exactly what that is, but I'm not firing at the rate I want to be firing because, uh, like I said, my wife has a slightly different um, sort of viewpoint and money, so it's sort of slow. So what firing is, is this. Financially independent, retire early. I like it. Awesome. So there's a whole group on Facebook and I'm part of this. You know, I don't think, I don't see any other dentists on there. I'm sort of always trolling on and whatnot. So, so basically it's a group of people who come to conclusion that they want to work and then they want to save, uh, you know, really aggressively save money. They want to have a high savings rate. You know, we're talking 40, 50% of your income to be saved uh, and then invested into, let's say stocks and shares. And once you reach your, um, a, a, a a predetermined amount that is your fire amount. So once you've reached your fire amount, so I've got my fire amount, I know that once I've, uh, once my pot reaches that amount, I don't have to work anymore because uh, I need to. I can work if I want to, but I don't have to work anymore if I need to. And essentially what you do then is you live off the, uh, of the interest, you know, where, yes. at that point. And then you just draw money from your Vanguard, or your trading one, two, one, two, or your uh, AJ and Bell or whatever. So there's a, there's a group, these people call the, the fire group, which also I take a lot of inspiration for, because it encourages you to, to think about your future, save, 
but also um, that was one way I learned more about investing as well. In fact, this FIRE group of people introduced me to a lot of books, not a reading as well. Well, yeah, I mean, I think what you said is really important because when I say the word retirement, we automatically have this preconceived notion or connotation that we have to be old to do that. Why not retire when we're younger? It's If you sit down, you do the math, it's possible. And the barrier between being the person who has to work their whole life and maybe never retire versus someone who can retire very young is literally just financial literacy. And this, I think, is just, just a really powerful message that I suppose is really important to share. That is, I love that. So, for, you know, everyone, I, I encourage you all to join uh, the Dentist Who Invest group learn more, uh, interact. Uh, and like I said, I'd like to see dentists all over the world joining it. I'd like to learn from, from a lot of the guys. Maybe one day I'll get into trading if my wife will let me. Uh, and then <laughs> I, I can pick up some tips. But very much, uh, I'm an investor. Got to keep the boss happy. I don't want anybody to lose their wives, disclaimer. I don't want anybody to lose. It's not my fault. <laughs> James, any, any last words, any closing comments to, to wrap up this sort of very quick fire, very sort of uh, rough and ready introduction into investing for dentists who have sort of been thinking, you know, what is, what's this all about? Cool, absolutely. Like I say, just going back to the education point, the only difference between somebody who makes money when investing and trading versus someone who loses money is one education and two mindset. So if you can educate yourself, the mindset comes from that by learning about psychology, by learning about the various ins and outs of trading, and also about how you can be clever with your money. It's just education. That's all it is. And when you start to learn about something my hand on my heart is I think it becomes inherently interesting to you. So the more you learn, the better you become at it, the better that the more, well, the better decisions you can make in the long run. Okay. So like I say, education, really important. That's the first point. I think it's absolutely amazing. And it's the difference between gaining something and losing money. As well as that, I really put my hand on my heart when I say that I think investing and trading should be a life skill for everybody. And the reason that I say that is because of the reasons that I outlined before, and it's just protecting yourself and making sure that you've got a happy future going forwards. Amazing. James, thanks so much for coming on the show, my friend. Mate, thank you so much. This has been brilliant. Yeah, if you ever need anybody to talk on it again or anything like that, you know where I am. We, we, we might wonderful. do. I think because uh, I think sometimes the, 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 the very lovely dentists that, that listen to the show, uh, and, I'm, and I appreciate them so much, um, we're sometimes on a journey together. Uh, and I'm learning about personal finance all the time as well. And, and what we might find is that a year or two later, uh, once we've all joined the group and we're all at that, you know, we're all starting yeah. to invest, so we start to think about our future. And then maybe we want to start um, getting into more advanced techniques. Then we maybe we yeah, can start sure. talking about being a bit more clever. So maybe there is a part two in this. Hey guys, thank you so much for listening all the way to the end. Uh, I hope you found loads of valuable from all those tips that James Martin shared with us. He's so knowledgeable. He's so full of passion for this area of investing uh, and finances, which is really great. Uh, I'm going to go and buy some gold ASAP. Uh, um, thank you so much for all of you who message about the, the benefit or the gain that you got from listening to Professor Paul Tipton's episode. I thought he was so good, so direct, so many gems in there that I've sort of um, earmarked him again for a future episode on post-cause and crowns, which I think will be quite good. So watch out for that one in, in, in the distant future. I think there's so much more to cover b between now and then. But as always, keep, keep reaching out to me. Keep letting me know what you like, what you don't like, so I can help grow this uh, podcast along with you. Thanks so much for joining, and I'll catch you in the next one.